Hello, and welcome to Walk and Talk. This eight-part series will look at life in UCC from the perspective of former students who went on to become major players on the national stage. By sharing their individual experiences, they'll paint not just a personal portrait of their younger selves, but also a broader picture of a shifting college landscape through the decades. This eight-part series invites past students of UCC back on campus to walk the grounds, relive their student days, and share their thoughts with the present-day student body. This week, Kieran McCarthy, presenter and architect. Kieran McCarthy, my profession is I own a company, KMC Homes, so I'm day-to-day running of that. Um, I suppose from our customer's point of view, I'm the design and build director. So kind of project management, project managing the whole project and team involved. So architects, engineers, QSs, all the building, uh, building teams and everything else on behalf of the, the client to create their, their new ideal home, you know. We're walking down between the Eng building and the Lech Eng building. Um, and normally I would have been coming down and kind of turning right there and heading down towards the, uh, in the general direction of the, the library, I guess, you know. Yeah, so a lot of our lectures initially would have been in here, anyway, in the Eng building. And you'd always be kind of hanging out here between lectures, getting a bit of air, or someone might have been smoking a cigarette or something. Or and it was always dark here as well. You never got sun here. Yeah, geez, this rings a few bells, I must say. This definitely we we had labs down here I think then yeah, we had a project management course there which was probably one of my favourite courses it was brief enough it was in third year I'd say I loved that and we had to do a we had to look at drawings of a bridge in Inascara as far as I remember and kind of imagine how we would set up a site and run a site involved with building that bridge. So I really love that. So we'd have done some draft work. I still have drawings that I drew in there, actually. In fact, these were lecture theatres. That was it, yeah. God, this rings a bell now. Running in here 10 minutes late <laughs> to a lecture. Like I did one in third or fourth year on false work, which is, um, which is temporary support. Actually, if you're building something, it needs to be supported while you're building before all the structure um, goes off and, and forms. Um, we did a project on that. And funny enough, I'm actually involved in a big temporary support um, issue as we speak. We're, we're building foundations next to an existing house and the foundations will involve a retaining wall and we need to make sure that as we're build, that the retaining wall will do its own job, but you need to support the neighbouring uh, foundations while you're building the retaining wall and that's the temporary support and that's what my project would have been so it's it's interesting to have a live a live version of what you're doing so which is great because it brings all these things into play then you know I hope there's no graffiti with my name on it here and I'll see <laughs> I'll have to duck if there is yeah, I'd have always been around here, actually. Oh, they're, they're the same chairs, like. Yeah. I might as well sit down now, actually. Was, um, I don't know if it was in this theatre or not, but we did um, harbour and coastal engineering 
and uh, fluid mechanics and in two different years, second year and third year. And I loved those actually. They would have been my favorite. And if I hadn't gone the direction I'd gone, that's certainly an area I would have, I would have enjoyed. Um, and we did some of that here, but we, there was another lab, I think possibly on the other side of the, the um, now that I think of it, of the, the hallway there, where we would have done more of that. And some of it would have been down Western Road, there was fluid mechanic, um, models and whatever that were set up down there as far as members so we've just done some of those on there but um yeah that was that was probably my favorite of the whole lot and some of the design work in the earlier in first year which we did in the mall things actually now that i think of it some draft work i really enjoyed that as well you know? there were other faculties where they had less on and they had more kind of study time and whatever whereas we had wall-to-wall -wall lectures there were times we even had lectures, I think, at 8 o'clock in the morning. Whereas you had other faculties then that lectures start at 11. So um, we had a fairly dense four years. So you'd have, yeah, I guess you'd have walked down here and headed down outside the main here. Because my, my, both my parents went to UCC as well. My dad did science and my mum did uh, medicine. And dad always talks about this building here, this astronomy building. The observatory, yeah. And f funny, like, so we're outside the main now, right? The main was something, a place that I rarely went, uh, apart from in first year, because when I was in first year, I, I'm from Middleton originally, and we used to get a bus up. My mum organised this bus when I was in first year, uh, while she was still looking after my affairs, I suppose. <laughs> she organised this bus, and the bus left Middleton at something like seven o'clock or half seven or something because it used to bring people up to the uh, the RTC which was called those days and they started early or something so it had to go up and drop people at the RTC and it used to drop me either on the way or on the way back but either way I was I was in college about an hour too early which is usually it's an hour too late anyway I was an hour too early to begin with and I used to go in to the um, to the the main and sit down or maybe it was the mini and I'd sit down and have a cup of coffee and you'd meet one or two other guys who were kind of in a bit early and you'd have a cup of coffee with them every morning. Uh, I did that up to about Christmas. That's one thing I do remember of first year. In fact, it was the mini note, I think of it. Um, I did that up to about Christmas. Um, and then I kind of changed things around because I, I remember the Freshers Ball was on and I decided my grandmother, my late grandmother, was living in Wilton Road at the time. And I just and I just and my mum said, "Look, sir, if you're if you're going up to the Freshers' Ball, you might as well stay with Granny and the whole lot." So I did that, and I got a totally different sense of what college, the potential college had, by being based in Cork. So I think fairly soon after that, maybe that Christmas, I decided to move in with my grandmother and stay in Wilton Road, which was only a reasonable twenty-minute walk, and uh, it was a different place then, totally different. Um, Found it a bit harder to make the early lectures, but uh, but just just it was a totally different experience. I kind of never looked back from there. So I used to stay with my grandmother, and I'd walk home normally, and she'd have a nice big lunch ready, and I'd have lunch with her, and I'd walk back in along the uh, college road again and drop in here for whatever lectures around the afternoon. So people used to kind of hang around here a little bit. Uh, see, the shop is still there. And there have been an awful lot of people like sitting on the walls here and sitting along the wall the whole way down there, just outside the, uh, the quad. And this was a great place. You'd always bump into people just walking down here. Someone would call your name and 
there'd be some gathering talking about some night that was coming up or some some event or what they're doing for the afternoon or god knows what so you'd always kind of pick up some bit of uh, a nugget of information here when i started college i was playing i just left a band and stuff and i was kind of playing electric guitar and that kind of thing but i kind of got into acoustic guitar and some friends of mine were playing acoustic and singing and stuff and there were these kind of makeshift bands that were kind of coming up out of nowhere because when you have an acoustic guitar you don't need a big formal band setting where you need amps and microphones that just grab the guitar start singing and off you go so there was kind of busking kicking off and there was uh this acoustic guitar band kind of thing and there was a friend of mine who was involved in the rag week committee they had set up this musical event um the gig rig literally where that just outside the main there and to set up there yeah and they had it they had it mic'd up and all that i'd say and um I think what happened was everyone up and had a kind of point in the college bar at 11 and then jumped up on the gig rig and started going. And uh, I remember, funny enough, I missed a lecture that day and there was people in the lecture and they're wondering where I was and they could hear us playing outside. So they came out with the lecture going, I thought you were... And there we were playing the, the gig rig. But uh, that, was, that, that was one of the highlights really because like, I had dipped in and out of clubs and societies uh, more in first year really. First year there were so many of them. I did, there was table tennis and I did, I got guitar lessons and a few other bits and pieces but I, I, I didn't quite find my feet in that kind of formal setup whereas I was kind of brought in the back door to this rugby thing and it, we loved it and I, all, I kind of got into busky and stuff with this group of friends um, beyond that and so we, we, we were busking for years, we went busking across Europe and everything else on the strength of all that. But uh, that was great because I really felt kind of part of the, uh, the non-core activity of, of studying and uh, lectures and stuff then, which really is an awful lot of what UCC brings to the table. Like, I mean, um, because Cork isn't a huge city, when you have a, quite a big university in a reasonable sized city, uh, it's, a, it's a big part of the city, you know? Uh, so I, that, was a, that was one of the biggest, uh, that's probably the highlight really that and things like the I was involved in the um, the world debating championships yeah I was brought in the back door there as well um, there was friends who were involved and they asked me would I be chairman of some of the debates uh, even though I wasn't a big debater no, by, by any means but sure it was all a means to kind of some of the evening activities and everything else down in the old juries but um, sure which we met people from all over the world then when UCC were hosting it and that was another fabulous situation but again I kind of came in the back door like like, was like everything else like the world debating championship and the um the, that that kind of very vibrant rag week um they'd been in my third year and our fourth year some they but in all a similar time so I was kind of I was probably about 21 at the time I did find you're a very different person coming in the door day one than you are uh, coming out the door four years later in my case. Very, I couldn't have been more different. Like Coming in, I would have come from Middleton. I went to Middleton College and whereas I was kind of into music and that kind of thing, um, I suppose I had a narrow enough um, focus as regards friends and, you know, how the world worked and everything else. But when I, it was the people I'd met in UCC I still hang out with and I'm still influenced by and uh, and yeah I was I was an awful lot more broad-minded when I left UCC than I was when I uh, when I went in you know yeah so we've just walked into the Honan 
Actually, I love the way they've done the lights. The lights are changing there. It's really dynamic looking. But um, yeah, so I would have been up and to the right is where I was sitting. Just, I, I got married here, so I would have been up and to the right and my wife Fanola up and to the left. Um, but again, like at my wedding, they were all college friends. Like if I had 30 friends at the wedding, they were all college friends. I was even at a removal uh, during the week for a, f a father of one of my college friends and all oh, the gang were there. And I'd still be friendly with most of them, you know. So I suppose the interesting thing here now is like we're leaving the Honan and now we're looking up towards the Orb, which in my day was the Applied Business and Languages uh, building. So when I left UCC in 1996, um, Sisks, the builders, uh, John Sisk and son, were looking for engineers um, for, they were actually building this building at the time. They, they were kind of about a quarter of the way through and they were looking for engineers to help them uh, do, do the setting out of all the cladding, which is basically marking it out so that the tradesmen and whatever you can follow up and build according to your building lines. So I managed, like I, a lot of my friends in college would, uh, were still there, they were doing their final year and I'd left at this stage so I managed to ease back in for nearly another year in UCC building a building on campus. Um, which was great because like it was a fascinating building to build as well because it's it's an unusual shape and it's a very complex building like if you look at the shape now of all the external perimeter every time you go around the corner there's something different happening there's different angles you've you've cut limestone meeting random rubble limestone meeting uh, reconstituted stone um, piers on the roof and we had to set all set all that out so we had to give all the measurements and give all the heights and give all the widths and everything else so so i would have been working on that literally straight from college uh, and it wouldn't I, I didn't see it being finished it would have been three quarters finished i say by the time i left um, and funny enough i went from there down to the courthouse sisks were working in the courthouse so i was involved in the the phase one of the renovation works that happened there as well um, and as we look back to the library here, now none of this would have, none of this part of the library would have been here. Um, all the zinc or copper part of it here with the the sandstone cladding that wouldn't have been there. Um, but that was a nice year, so I got an extra, oh, probably nine months of semi-college life. I, I used to be able to race from the construction site at. 10 to 1 up to the uh, the college bar for coffee with my friends and I had to leave early then they had an hour I had a half an hour and I had to race back in I'd be dusting off the dust off my pants going into the college bar for fear someone would see it and think I was doing some real work when you look at the elevation of this building what we would have had to do is like you, you've all these between all the black brickwork panels you have these kind of triangle columns of of random rubble so we had to put nails on the ground showing all the beginnings of how all that works. So every corner you see every on the stone had to have a nail on the bottom. Uh, so there'll be three nails for every triangle. And not only that, but you had to project. There were three building lines that were raised vertically and you had to have three bits of plywood up in the roof with strings coming down vertically uh, to, uh, to, in to intersect um, at those three points. 
And to do that, we didn't have modern, like nowadays you have a thing called an EDM, electronic distant measurement. Typically you'd have those on a building site now, but in, in, in my day, we had, um, we had theodolites, which is the old school way of doing it. So you had to set out a theodolite in two different planes and get the, uh, get the planes to intersect, and that's where your line was. So it's a, a kind of an interesting uh, process. So we had to set up those building lines for the stone, and you had to make sure then, as the stone went up, that the stone coursed with the brickwork. So you'll see here, now there's a, a line of stone the whole way across there, which is, which is called a course, and that lines up with the bottom of what they call the soldier course of the brickwork, and then it meets up with another line here. So you have to, you have to, you have to make sure that as the, as the stonemasons were working and, and putting one stone on top of another, they were going to increase or decrease their beds of stone to meet those lines, so they'd, they'd meet with the window, the head of the windows where the soldier course is, because the windows were already measured and the windows where they put in, everything had to work. If you're up by 10 mil, you had a problem with a window. So you were constantly checking problems and double checking and reconciling. And you were no sooner out of the stonework than you're onto these reconstituted sills and then onto an even more precise product called the, um, the cut stone. And then that cut stone had to be plumbed up again. Or that's a new set of building lines again, right up to the roof. And then, you know, if that's out by 10 mil at the top, the windows won't fit. So you, you can't have any lines deviating from plumb and all that. So there was an awful lot of work and even though it's only cladding and it's not the actual structure of the building, the tolerances are very tight because when you go up huge heights with cladding, I mean, you're up what, 10 meters there, and when you go up huge height with cladding, the slightest deviation, things go way off plumb and then things don't fit. So it was a great introduction to all that, you know. So I remember we used to making templates. Everything was kind of from first principles. There was a great carpenter there and he was the foreman of the block layers. And he subsequently now was the managing director of Rose Construction uh, in Cork. So I would have known him, and he, we'd know each other just from kind of business circles now. But I would have worked with him. He would have taught me a lot of things as I kind of got up and running as well. So it was a, it was a great, it was a nice kind of transition from UCC to actually implementing some of the stuff you learned to heading eventually out onto the, the greater building world then, you know. So I was never in the building when it was fitted out. It would have been shell when I was leaving it, yeah. As we looked at the exit door now, like we set out all that. All the brickwork here you see in the triangular arch. Okay, the brickwork isn't doing anything structurally. There's a big concrete beam and whatever behind all that. But we had to set up scaffolding here and set up scaffolding here. And we had a massive big template, which is a huge triangle that was measured with all the points that you can see there in the brickwork. And we just kind of set that up and then the bricks would, the brick layers then would hang bricks underneath it. And that's how they built that. And I remember we, we had it set up and uh, geez, it nearly slipped then. We were trying to hold it up because we had it on one scaffold and one scaffolder kind of moved a bar or something. The whole thing came down. So it was three men kind of shoring up the corner of it and we got it set up again. But uh, it was all plywood. Uh, so that's how that set out with, with templates. But I mean, that's, see, because it was all first principle work, you got, it was a great way to learn how the, the whole spatial side of things worked in buildings and what went wrong if something went wrong and how to fix it and how to monitor, I suppose, you know. And these are things you should be using today on sites, you know. So I left UCC, I would have worked with CISCs for a few years, um, both on campus and down in the courthouse. Then 
I remember thinking that it was I was kind of too close. I mean, like I'd gone from UCC to working in UCC to working in Cork City, and I thought, geez, I'd like to broaden my horizons a small bit now, because you know when you're young and single, you've you know it, it's the time to go around and see the world and everything else. So. Um, I didn't want to be too penned in, so I, I decided to move to England. Now, it was it's still kind of hard to get jobs around the time as well, and my UCC contract was only kind of a two-year contract. Or sorry, my contract with CISC was only a two-year contract. So I, I, was gonna, I was needing to find a kind of a more permanent job, so I headed over to Manchester, and I worked with, uh, with Murphy's, the Green Murphy's in the UK, doing civil engineering in Manchester and Liverpool. Um, on pipelines and bridges and all that sort of thing. So again, completely different now to what I'd done with CISC and UCC. Um, a very different discipline. Um, but I learned all about kind of underground drainage works and all that sort of things. And then I, uh, I, I was kind of conscious of not uh, settling in the UK. It wasn't really my plan. So I went to London for a few months and then decided I'd head to Dublin because everyone I met was saying, geez, Ireland, I mean, Ireland had gone from a country when I left UCC where you were struggling to get a job to a country that was now booming. Now we're in 1998 and Celtic Tiger was kicking off and all that. So things were booming in Ireland. So there was all these opportunities. So, so I headed to Dublin and I got a job with Hegarty's. So I, I started working in Ballsbridge in, in, with Hegarty's and then I worked in, in, uh, in Nace as an engineer on the building of the Nace General Hospital. Um, which you'd see in the news here and there and whatever as well. So that was a huge project. It was about 25 million pounds for phase one, which was huge in those days, still huge today as well, God knows. Um, so I worked on that as a, an engineer. I left Tegarty's and uh, made my way down to Cork and started working with Lane's Builders in Cork. Um, and we were building the the new extension to the tennis club in, um, in the Mardak. Um, so I built that with lanes and uh, beyond that then I was kind of getting a bit of a grow for going out on my own. I didn't know quite in what capacity but I wanted to do something and kind of do my own thing. Now I loved kind of architectural design and buildings. The more architectural design a building had the more I enjoyed it. The more architectural design a building had, the more I enjoyed building it. Um, and I loved, uh, I loved houses as well. So I loved the domestic market because I just liked kind of houses that could, you know, if you if you'd a certain design a house, it could kind of change your life a bit and really promote all that. So I liked that side of it. Um, so I set up KMC, uh, it was called KMC Developments back in those days. In late 2003, and we kind of got going and properly, I suppose, in early 2004. And at the time, I bought a house in Cork and I renovated it. Um, and we, and we were kind of getting married and all that at the same time. So, um, so yeah, 2004, we started off and we started off as a building company. Um, and we were just doing whatever was available. You were building an extension or you were renovating a house or you were doing an attic conversion or I mean anything that was there you took it as a bit of work to keep you going. We were kind of 2007 now. So we were still building extensions and that market was still trundling along but it was becoming a very crowded market and it, like I really needed to kind of uh, 
innovate a bit more like in in the whole tendering process we're involved in like it was a kind of a race to the bottom money-wise and the only way to compete was really just to cheapen your product and cheapen your service and I just thought that wasn't a great uh, that wasn't a great move because I didn't want to do I wouldn't I didn't want to cheapen our quality or cheapen our service so I thought well look just add more value so rather than just doing the building I thought why can't we do everything because the whole customer service side of things when you're building a house can be a very difficult journey when you've a separate architect, separate engineer, separate um, QS, separate builders and the budget going all over the place and the, the, the schedule going all over the place and extras and variations and problems and the whole lot. And I thought, yeah, but you're having all those problems because a client takes on all these separate consultants and separate builders and they assume that with all these people involved that they don't have to do anything. But the reality is with all these people involved, they take the position of project manager. They don't realize that. So I thought, well, look, it doesn't have to be that complicated. Why can't we do everything for the client? And they have one point of contact, kind of a one-stop shop. And we deliver their dream home or their dream extension, whatever it is, for their budget. So we agree a budget. We agree what they want to do and we design around their budget. We get them planning permission and we build it, fixed price, and, uh, and really inject customer service into an industry which, which isn't really set up that way. And that's been a huge success for us, really. Like that, we kind of started doing that in 2012, 2013, and really kicked off in 2014 where we more specialised in one-off homes. And... Uh, and we kind of changed the name then to KMC Homes and that has become where we are today, you know. And uh, yeah, that has been a huge success for us because it's, it's, it's and more from the customer service end. Like, I mean, I used to build extensions and one-off houses and I'd step back and I'd look at the house when it was finished and go, God, isn't this incredible? And give myself a pat in the back and the whole lot. But like in, now, you know, you've built so many houses and that kind of thing, that becomes a kind of a thing of the past. But what's most important to me now and the people who work for us is if we get to the end of the journey and a client goes, that was great, you really put the shoulder to the wheel and made the experience, I'm, I'm way too busy, my wife's way too busy and we've young kids and all that, and ye made a really stressful, uh, a really stress-free path to our dream home and all that. If we get a great testimony at the end of the day, that's what's important and I'll never get tired of that. A friend of mine was saying, do you know, you know, would you not start thinking of doing videos as part of your promotional package? There was a film production company that I was friendly with because I met them through a networking group years ago. And they had offered to do, this was during the recession, they had, often, they had offered to do some promotional videos for us at a kind of a discount price because we were all struggling at the time. We kind of kept in contact and then the producer, Michael Lynch, had come across Maggie Malloy and her amazing Instagram profile and what she was doing with uh, Cheap Irish Houses, which is her Instagram profile, and showcasing the old Irish cottages and all that sort of things. He came across her on being interviewed on the radio as she rose to fame on, on Instagram, and he asked her would, would she be interested in you know, putting together something and showing it to RT and see if they'd be interested in doing it. And uh, what they, need, they needed a kind of a counterbalance because if she's going around looking at these houses and going, oh, this would be a lovely house for these participants to, to buy for you know, a very uh, low price and sure, do it up as your dream home, you needed a kind of a voice of reason as well, uh, like an engineer to kind of counterbalance the whole setup. And sure, he thought, geez, what engineers do I know? And what engineers do I know who could stand in front of a camera? So he asked me, would I look at it? Um, 
no, it wasn't quite what we did, but I thought, look, the chance of you being wrong twice in one lifetime and asked, do you want to be on TV are very slim? So I said, it's this or nothing. So we shot a teaser, which is a little kind of a two or three minute video. And uh, normally RTE kind of, when you send that to RTE, it takes six months for them to come back and go, yeah, we're kind of tentatively interested in this and the other. They were back almost immediately saying, God, this is, this is just what we're looking for. There's a gap for this in the market and this and the other. So it went very quickly. And like we, did, we shot the teaser, I'd say, in the summer and then in the autumn, uh, I, it was jazz weekend actually. Uh, we were told, yeah, they're interested in, in a six-part series, uh, so it was great. It, it got great, um, great airplay. Yeah. So I suppose, like, we're always looking for participants for the show, and we have a new season coming out now soon. So, um, if there's any of the listeners have, have an interest of becoming a participant, so. Um, if you're looking for, like myself and Maggie, to, um, to help you find your cheap Irish home um, and you'd like to take part in the series, you can uh, email your contact details to casting at av3.ie. So that's C-A-S-T-I-N-G at av3.ie. You've been listening to Walk & Talk. This eight-part series looks at life in UCC from the perspective of former students who went on to become major players on the national stage. By sharing their individual experiences, they paint not just a personal portrait of their younger selves, but also a broader picture of a shifting college landscape through the decades. For more details on the series, search for UCC 98.3 FM wherever you get your podcasts. This programme was funded by the Broadcasting Authority of Ireland with the television licence fee.